You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe on this lovely Friday morning. Thanks for joining us on Sports Talk 97.7, along with our six-round draft pick, Jake Martin from the Washita Citizen. He what a is steal. he is no uh, draft expert, that is for sure. Okay, is that where we're going immediately? No. Um. Okay. Well, no. Since you brought it up, let's go there. I got two correct. You and got, I studied for literally 13 minutes and put this thing okay. together, and I got three out of the top ten. How correct. many did Peter King get in the whole first round? I did see the uh, tweet today from Peter King in the entire first round. Peter King, with all the insight, all the knowledge that he has, all the connections, he dialed up one correct see? pick Nobody in the knows. first round of the I mean, NFL draft. And, you know, we did our mocks before Baker. We knew Baker was going number one. Yeah. Anyway. Plenty to discuss over the next uh, two hours. This should be a fun show. Quite frankly, don't have a lot of guests lined up, so a lot of opportunities, of course, for you to weigh in on what you witnessed last night, your biggest takeaways, what you thought of the draft, and will you be glued in the rest of the weekend? 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby text slash hotline. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. Yeah, we want to know multiple things. What did you think? All right, let me look this up. What did you think? What, right. what did you think of the Saints draft pick? Okay. Just just what do you think of him as a prospect? Okay. What do you think about um, the compensation? They gave up. They gave up for him. Two number ones eventually, and then, of course, a fifth-round draft pick this year. Yes. And throw in another one. What did you think of Baker going number one overall? Yes. It was a, a night of uh, surprises in the NFL draft. And, of course, we've talked about it in the past with the Saints having those eight overall picks if they try to package that together and move up. And then, of course, what they did moving up mm-hmm. to get a defensive end from UTSA. And, of course, uh, Marcus Davenport has some freakish numbers and he, uh, just by looking at the film. And anybody that watched uh, him against Louisiana Tech knows this kid's pretty impressive. But was it worth moving up to use him with the 14th overall pick? That's the question, and I'll say this. I, I'm reserving judgment on him. At first, I thought entering this draft, it was Bradley Chubb and everyone else at that position. Okay? So, it was... That was the thing we talked about yesterday. Yeah, we did. An edge rusher, yesterday. it was a, you know Chubb at number one, and then, of course, a major fall-off to number two. Exactly, and... You know, that's why I was confused when they actually took him. And I know there were some rumblings to come out. Larry Holder actually called it on Twitter like five hours ahead. But, um, you know, it, it still surprised me because here's a guy that, again, it's a position. It, it's the second most valuable position if you're, in terms of draft. You know, it's quarterback and then it's pass rusher. So that makes sense. But I just – I don't know enough about Davenport, I'll be honest. I don't know enough about him to fully give you a breakdown. So that's why I'm reserving my judgment. And I'll say this. The front office has earned my trust with the last two years. But giving up next year's first-round pick, I don't care if it is the number 32 overall pick. Like, if you do go out and win the Super Bowl and it is the 32 overall pick, that's still a big deal. And I'll get into that later, why I think that's such a big deal for me because – it almost seems like a, a switch in philosophy for mm. me. And I'll get deeper into that later. That's a little tease for you. Mm. Uh, of course, Sean Payton, you'll hear from him later in the show, just thinking, you know, uh, they expect and anticipate to have a huge year next year. And as Jake said, I mean, probably they're hoping maybe at the 32nd pick in the yeah. first round or perhaps 27, 28, 29. Uh, you do look at the Saints, and, of course, they did address a huge need by getting a Davenport. Sure. And you have to think, you know, Cam Jordan, he needs a running mate, correct? Sure, sure. Uh, you'd have to say the last time he had a running mate, what, Junior Gallette, before they cut ties with him? Yeah, and that puts a lot of pressure on Davenport to immediately produce for what the Saints gave up for him. 
And this is a Super Bowl move, right? This mm -hmm. is a we think we're missing one pass rusher to make the Super Bowl. Let's go out. Let's trade up. Let's get this guy who we believe in. And so now the pressure's on, man. I got to come in. I got to be great from day one because they're looking to win next year, not in a couple of years. I can't be great in a couple of years. I got to be really good next year. Uh, the Saints all in, of course, trying to get themselves over the hump, and they think Davenport is one of those missing pieces in this championship puzzle. Uh, much more coming up on Davenport. His past, his history, truly a remarkable story coming out of high school and what he has made himself into. And also, uh, we're going to read uh, Jeff Duncan's column later on from the Saints on what he thinks of the draft pick with Davenport. He loves it. He does love it. Loves it. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. But, yeah, um, I want to get to something real quick before we forget, Aaron, because we're, we're very forgetful. We got some tickets to yes. give away. Um, if, if you love the Pelicans, and I assume many of you do, and you like playoff basketball, we got a treat for you. Game four tickets. That's you right. You might have an opportunity to watch the Warriors sweep oh, stop. the Pels in New Orleans. Aaron, come on. You're not funny. Let me play the heel for a little bit, man. Let me be a subtle <laughs> You're jerk always on the heel. Guy. You don't ever get tired of being the heel? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, game four tickets. All you have to do is text in Pelicans to 888-993-7762. You only have to do it once. Just text in Pelicans and, uh, we'll pick a winner by the end of the day and, uh, just continue to do that all day. Schedule has to be a little bit flexible though. Correct. Right, Jake? Yeah. Cause I was trying to look and see what the series schedule was and a lot of it's to be announced. So I haven't seen an exact date for game four yet. Hmm. All right, already got a number of texts, and we certainly want to get to it because we want to be very interactive with you on this Friday morning. Daryl says, can we just do away with booing Goodell every time he comes out? I was on board with the first few times this year, but it's getting old, and after another, I think it distracts from the moment. Thought that the Saints had a good pick. Uh, so this was the NFL strategy going into this thing to kind of take it off Goodell. So you run him out there with Witt and Staubach, and, of course, uh, Troy Aikman, and you're thinking there's no way that the Cowboy fans would boo that crowd, right? But what, you got one bad apple in there. <laughs> yeah. they That was – his plan didn't work. It didn't work at all. At all. No. By the way, Roger Staubach still got it. Did you see him throw that football? <laughs> yes. Um, no, that that was – But he threw it to Steeler fans. That I was the only problem. Yeah, I actually still like it. Yeah. I, I, still like I, I enjoy Roger Goodell coming out there and getting booed. But it does take away from the players, though. It does. Speaking of taking away from the players, Ryan, Ryan Shazier walking Oh, don't, out. Don't, don't go there, man. I, I'm not, it, don't I'm go. Saying, it was I'm one of the best saying. moments of the night, man. Let don't go finish. there, Jake. Don't go there. Let <laughs> me finish. Let me finish. It was the best moment of the night. Uh -oh. I'm walking out there. Okay, all right, nice. Good but I did feel bad for Terrell Edmonds because it did kind of take away from him. Yeah, a, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, he still got picked me, in the first I mean, round. The first, He's still on the stage. That's the man. first thing my wife said is, "Oh, that sucks for that kid." Yeah, I don't know, man. I was like, well, "That's a pretty special moment." It was right a though. great moment. I'm just saying, you know, when she pointed that out, I was like, "Yeah, that, that does kind of that is kind of a bummer for him, or his not for him, but like for probably for people like his friends and his family who are watching from home and going, "Oh, here's Terrell," and they're not talking about him. Mm. You know what I mean? But, again, best moment of the draft. Mm. I mean, that was just, I believe, uh, first week in December that he went down. Yeah, yeah. Pretty special. Quinn, mm. uh, I guess, uh, did not watch the draft. He wanted to know who the Saints picked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple other uh, texts here. Go ahead, Jake. Uh, uh, I have an issue with my glasses this Rich, morning. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> Richie says, the pick was great. The best pure pass rusher in the draft. Unlike Chubb, he's a little raw, but still a nasty player. Two years ago, we all complained about the lack of pass rush. Now we are looking at one of the best defensive lines in the league. Uh, it says, oh, and we didn't give up two first-rounders. We gave up a fifth and next year's first to turn our number 27 pick into the number 14. There is a difference. Yes, but you still gave up next year. It's, that still classifies as two first-round picks. Man, crazy how many Pels fans are out there. How many people want to go watch the People Pels? like the Pels. I've been trying to talk about them all year. You wouldn't let me. <laughs> uh, remember, you have to text in the word Pelicans, your name. It doesn't hurt to say where you're from. And, of course, we've got your phone number. But what the heck, put it in there also. Yes. 
888-993-7762 to get yourself registered for a chance of Game 4 tickets between the Warriors and the Pelicans. I will say one thing, and I watched Sean Payton's press conference after uh, this election, and one thing that he benefits from is the fact that he can still go back to Alan Kamara and how they gave up this year's second-round pick for him. You know, the fact that that and worked out And they benefit from so how well they hit it out of the ballpark last year. Yeah, and the year before. Mm-hmm. I thought the year before was great, too. But I'm just saying the fact that, well, Nunny Allen missing the second-round pick this year, that's a that's a huge plus for, for this team and being able to say that as far as PR goes. I'll go ahead and say it. I, I The reason why I don't love the pick because of what we gave up is you had a young core. You still have a young core. And I understand there is an urgency to win with Drew Brees right now. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. But we don't know, like, what if next year, and we've talked about how his arm strength has, you know, gone down a little bit last year. What what if he looks old next year? What if he doesn't have what it takes to carry the Saints to the Super Bowl next year? Well, you just wasted next year's first-round pick for a guy to contribute immediately when you have this young core and you know how valuable those first-round picks are. Don't you want to build on that young core with first-round picks? That's all I'm saying. That's why I'm hesitant on it. And, again, I haven't done my homework on this guy. I haven't seen the clips from him. I'm hoping. I I, I trust this front office. I I believe they did, Hmm. that they've seen enough to to, um, really believe in this pick. But Hmm. we'll see, man. Uh, a lot of text here in between the, the Pelicans contest. Uh, Delario, he brings a little shade this morning. I just know one thing from last night's first round of the draft. Prove these so-called experts are trash. Well, nobody knows. There's it's so many one. different variables. And then, of course, once Baker goes number one, it really throws everything off. And, and then the domino effect where Sam Darnold and others are going to go. And then Denzel Ward four. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw that coming. That was a shocker. Uh, Quint wants to know, how did the TV coverage of the draft on Fox go? I stuck with Mel Kuyper and the mothership, but I'm curious uh, how Aikman did. Good question. I uh, Renovations continue at KNOE, so I was still on a computer with the buffering issues, and I was stuck on ESPN. Their coverage went pretty well, and as uh, Jake over here will tell you, he's uh, Herb Street's number one man. Yeah. He was a nice, solid Stole the show edition for that cover. I loved the back and forth at the very beginning between he and Mel about Baker. Because Mel's like an old school mm-hmm. draft analyst. I mean, he's been doing it forever. But he, On the flip side, you got Herb Street has watched probably more college football and knows more about the college football game than anybody in the country. Yes, but when they were talking about Baker, you know, Mel's so stuck on the measurements and the variables. Yeah. When Herb Street was sitting there going, listen, I don't care. I watched him play. He is the best player. He is the best quarterback. I love that back and forth. It is still a remarkable story with Baker Mayfield in today's time and age where, you know, it's all about the numbers, and he certainly had the statistics and what he did on the field. But everybody gets caught up in how tall they are, how big their hands are, and, of course, how athletic they are. And then ultimately, a former walk-on in the college ranks gets picked number one overall. And in terms of that, you had a lot of great stories in the draft. You know, the Boise State linebacker who played eight men. You know, I mean, there there was just a lot of cool stories like that. I'm losing my voice this morning. I don't know what's up. That is not good. We will uh, get into the entire draft coming up. It's all part of uh, the headlines, other headlines from uh, last night, LSU. 3-3 3-3 going into the sixth against the fifth-ranked team in the country in Ole Miss, and then a disastrous sixth inning. <laughs> so, yeah, my buddy Scott Long for, for Danny Don, he's a lifelong <clears throat> LSU fan and, and a baseball fan. He called it the worst inning of LSU baseball he'd ever seen. <laughs> Think about that. Think about – I mean, it, he's, he's over 40 years old. and said the worst LSU – Inning he had ever seen. The good news is probably not many people saw it. Right, right. But they gave up 11 runs <clears throat> in that inning. And, you know, Luke Johnson, who we had on the show mm-hmm. recently. From The Advocate. From The Advocate. He came out with um, some, some statistics about this LSU bullpen. 
This bullpen's been awful, but when you look at these numbers, in the last six games, they've allowed 34 earned runs and 23 walks. That's a 16.4 ERA. <laughs> that is awful. Mm. So, yeah, that, that was um, quite an embarrassing loss for LSU. Diamond Dogs are at Western Kentucky this weekend. ULM travels to Coastal Carolina, and I believe Grambling has a rare weekend off. NBA hoops from last night. They certainly knew not to schedule it against the NFL, right? There was one they game. They had one game, yeah. Uh, Greek Freak uh, went for 31 as the Bucks tied up the series. They won 97-86 last night. And I know you were paying attention to our Astros update. What did uh, Houston do yesterday? You know, I don't think they played last oh, night. Good. At least I hope not. Uh, Russell has some advice for you. Drink some water. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to get on that. Uh, 888 Plus, we got some softball news and headlines as the, the state championships continue down in Sulphur. We'll get to those scores here in a minute when I can find my list. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Paint Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Let's go crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. So we're off to a bad start. Uh, Jake can barely talk over here. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I'm slipping a shirt on this morning, and I was doing that. Somehow I knocked my glasses off my head and uh, broke my nice designer glasses. It's going to be a long morning. How new are those? Uh, Less than a year, right? Yeah, it was just you know, four or five months. Ugh. Yeah. And you were like, well, why are you trying to put a shirt on over top of your Exa- head with the yeah. glasses on? Good point. But it literally at, at 5.35, 5.40 in the morning, how much are you really thinking, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> how much am I thinking right now? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm focused here on some softball scores from Sulphur yesterday. Summerfield falls to Evans. Evans is actually the number one seed. You all know that, I know. They lose 12-2. to Calvin uh, loses a squeaker to Harrisburg. They were the number two seed. They fall 3-2. to How about Cedar Creek? No problems as the number one seed. They take care of business. Versus uh, Sacred Heart, they went 14 to nothing. Caitlin Cooper, the Ole Miss signee, Super Cooper, had five RBIs in this ball game. Claiborne Christian, no problems with uh, Family Christian. They win 16 to nothing in three innings. Ooh. Then you look at course today. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten games featuring local teams featured. Uh, with the number one seed in 5A, Washita against Ash. Of course, West Monroe also in the 5A playoffs still is the number 20 seed and West Washita. They highlight the other teams. They'll be taking the, the field later today in Salt. Boys baseball playoffs also get underway or the second round of the playoffs today. We'll go through that bracket coming up later on. In terms of the starting lineup today, man, I'm fired up to catch up with former Neville Tiger, LSU, and TCU standout John D.R.C. He will join us live at 8.30. Joey Trappe for his weekly visit at 8.45. You'll hear from uh, Sean Payton later in the show, and a lot of people uh, missed uh, our interview with uh, Thomas Morstead, the Saints punter. We'll try to por- share a portion of that with you again in the 8 o'clock hour. But today's show is all about you, your comments. What did you think of the draft? 888-993-7762. Jake's getting some water. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the uh, morning drive. I like this. Sam, uh, referencing you, Jake, uh, talking about that may have been the worst inning that LSU's had, the sixth inning when they give up 11 runs to Ole Miss. Sam says, you're acting like over 40s ancient enough to watch Babe Ruth. Jeez, uh, okay. you're such a youngster. All Thank right. you, Sam. Forgive me. I couldn't get my point across because I was losing my voice. You were choking. Let me. Re- <laughs> I was choking, literally. Let me, let me try to rephrase that. All right, Millennial, go. Dig yourself a big hole. He's over 40, so he's had, you can say, 30 years of watching baseball. And that the fact that he's calling that the worst inning he's ever seen, I think that has some merit to it. I don't, I'm not saying like 40 years is an, is, makes him an old-timer. I'm just saying the fact that he's had 30-plus years of actually watching baseball and the fact that that was the worst he had ever seen. Who sent us this link to the biggest high school baseball? Russell, this is good stuff. Uh, good job, Russell. Thanks for doing our research for us. So there was a high school baseball game. It was either yesterday or the day before. The final score, 82 to nothing. Let that sink in. 82 
Old Rochester, where is Rochester the... Regional beat Notre Dame Crystal Ray by an outlandish score of 82 to nothing. Old Rochester scored 32 runs in the first two innings of the game, but despite the obvious mismatch, officials would not end the game before the five-inning minimum, forcing uh, Old Rochester into a difficult position. It, it's crazy that they don't have a three-inning rule like we do. Like 15-0 and three innings, it's done. Yeah. Just let it go on. This is the quote that, that I find kind of weird. So the, the, the winning coach says, I'm sick to my stomach yeah. over this. We really tried everything possible. We told the kids don't take any extra base hits, no sprinting. We even had kids bunting, and they couldn't make the routine plays. We had kids hitting balls 300 feet and jogging to first. We even asked if they stopped the game after four innings, and they said no. Believe me, we exhausted all options in our power. Listen, Strollington's had a couple cases this year where they have literally been bunning late in the, or in the second, third innings just to get the games done. Inside district play, correct, Jake? Yeah, yeah. Russell points out all they had to do was bunt and stand on home plate. Which is true. You didn't have to run to first at all. This is the the most amazing part of this, uh, the fact that there was a game that was 82 to nothing, and you think, well, that's got to be some kind of record. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> the most lopsided game in high school baseball history happened back in 1928. Now, that's old. long time ago, Jake. Oh, okay. That's what old is. And Iowa High School Club won a game 109 to 0. Their starting pitcher threw a no-hitter, and he went 15 for 17 at the plate. That is ace-worthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No doubt. Uh, Boyd uh, text in says, uh, I didn't even know there was an NFL draft last night with all the softball going on. Mm, so. Sure. 888-993-7762. Continue to weigh in. Yeah, we can get to softball and baseball in the next um, segment, but I want to revisit the, the NFL draft real quick. And I and I we're gonna go big picture with with all different sorts of things, but I want to continue to get people's thoughts on the Saints and and what they did with Davenport, and I also want to get your opinion, Aaron, on Darius Geis not going in the first round. Now, for me, why I thought this was big was because Rashad Penny went. Yes, Rashad Penny went yep. over him, and Sony Michelle. And I, I get it. You know, this is a copycat league. People are looking at Sony Michelle and thinking he could be the next Alvin Kamara. Maybe use him like the Saints use Kamara. But let's not forget, you know, Michelle has some injury concerns entering this draft. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the big story leading up for him. Arthritic knees, correct? Yes. And it could affect his long-term play. We asked uh, Saul Graves that question earlier this week. Exactly. So, um, if, you, if you look at it, you know, do you really think this it was the off- field character issues that kept him out. I mean, I'm starting to think so because otherwise I look at Rashad Penny, for example, and yeah, he has good speed, not great. His power, he's not nearly as, as powerful as guys. Mm -hmm. Like how many highlights of Penny have you seen where he's just constantly breaking tackles like guys did? Um, he's a good little back and, and he's a, it's a three down back, I think, but, Geis is so much more versatile. Geis is so much more powerful. Mm -hmm. I look at Geis as a as a smaller Marshawn Lynch, and maybe that playing style concerns some teams. I don't know. So he runs so hard, and he said it before. He runs angry. So three running backs go ahead of him, and I think everybody agrees Barkley should have gone ahead of him. The other two questionable marks. But now, if you're Cleveland and you're sitting in there today, and you get an opportunity, oh, Darius yeah. guys falling right into your lap. Yes, sir. Yeah, I love that. A buddy from Fox 8 Sports down in New Orleans caught up with uh, Darius Geis before the draft and asked him about all the rumors swirling around him, of course, his background, and why perhaps he believes he might be falling in the draft. It's just hearing this stuff closer and closer to the draft, you know, it really concerns me. You know, um, it's just coming out of nowhere. So, you know, I'm just wondering, like, you know, where it's coming from. You know, it's not true. You know, I just hope teams are not really believing all that stuff because it's not really true you know um and it could be teams you know want me to fall to them and it can also you know be people that are you know just spiteful and you know don't want to see me do good so i have no idea where it's coming from hmm. darius geis and you would think he will hear his name or his phone ring very early tonight you look at what the sec did uh, 10 picks in the first round that is the third straight year when they lead the country the ninth time that a conference has had 
uh, 10 picks in the first uh, round. Eight of those nine times now have been from the SEC. Uh, just for the record, ACC second at six. Big Ten had four. The Big 12 just had one number one pick in the first round, obviously it being the number one overall. Yes. Um, here's a text here, too, because we were asking about Davenport. Somebody said, if I saw it correctly yesterday, Marcus Davenport in the past two seasons, in the past two seasons, was rated as a top five pass rusher by pro football focus in college football. Now, I didn't see that, but I did see uh, pro football focus did have him as the third best at the position hmm. and gave him an overall grade of 89.6. And, um, you know, they, they said that he had the best pass rush pro, uh, productivity uh, as an eligible 4-3 defensive end, mm. if that means anything. For and him. you look, of course, his uh, road uh, four years at UTSA, coming out of high school. He's six foot five, 190 pounds. Wasn't getting a lot of looks. Uh, UTSA, UTEP, UNLV, and New Mexico were eyeing him. Obviously, he developed into a freak. The connection with the Saints. Uh, Saints defensive line coaches, Ryan Nielsen, he worked with Frank Wilson. Frank Wilson, of course, being the head coach at UTSA back when they were together at Ole Miss. Yes, yes. Was it worth uh, two first-round picks and, of course, a fifth-rounder? Jeff Duncan, and he comes strong with a commentary and an editorial about the pick by the Saints. Here's his lead. I don't like the New Orleans Saints selection of Marcus Davenport. I love it. I haven't loved the Saints draft pick this much in maybe ever. The only other picks that were even this close were the 2009 selection of Malcolm Jenkins and 2001 pick of Deuce McAllister. Davenport is exactly what the Saints needed, a towering, athletic, six foot six edge rusher with a knack for big plays. He has a chance to be a difference maker in their front seven, the bookend to Cameron Jordan they've lacked for years. He went on to say, Jeff Duncan in his uh, editorial, guys like Davenport don't grow on trees. They're rare. He stands six foot six and can run a 4.5840 yard dash, a former basketball and track standout. He has the athletic ability to pressure quarterbacks off the edge. You don't find these kinds of guys with the 27th pick, which is where the Saints started the day, and you don't find them in free agency. Jeff Duncan all on board as the Saints go all in with Marcus Davenport. We'll see, man. I Again, I, I haven't seen enough tape to really give you my thoughts on him as a prospect. I'm hoping they nailed it, though. And, again, I do trust this front office. They have earned my trust the last two years. They know what they're doing. Hey, let's see if this is the guy that comes and brings the Saints another Super Bowl. The last time the Saints traded two first-round picks to move up in the draft for a player was back in 2003. They dealt the number 17 and 18 selections to Arizona. They moved up to number six to get defensive tackle Jonathan Sullivan. Obviously, hopefully their fate is better this time. Hopefully around. this one works out better, yes. Uh, if you just join us, you can have an opportunity to win some Pelican tickets, playoff tickets. These are going to be hot. Game four, correct, Jake? Game four. Just text in Pelicans. Send us your name and where you're from as well. 888-993-7762. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Back after this. Welcome back to the show. Uh, got a number of texts here. Obviously blowing up with the people that want to see some playoff basketball. You can continue to weigh in if you want an opportunity to win those Pelican tickets. Game four. Make note of that. Game four. Time and, of course, date is yet to be determined. You yes. might be a little, have to be a little flexible. Um, so, But Jake's told me this morning, literally, this is playoff tickets. This is the Warriors. You can take off. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, you got some uh, sick time built in. That's right. <coughs> Jake. <laughs> yeah, I do this morning for sure. Shane says, is this a different entry than yesterday afternoon? Yes, it is. Yesterday was game three, I believe. Mm -hmm. Today is game four. Mm. So go ahead. Send in Pelicans. And make sure, and I've seen some people just send in their name. Make sure you have Pelicans in your text. Text Pelicans and then include your name and where you're from. Daniel Golden from uh, West Monroe Ways. And do you really move up that far, give away a fifth and next year's first round for that? You don't give up that much unless you're getting a quarterback. Now you don't have a first round for next year to try to solve your problems. Remember, Drew is 40. Yeah, that's, that's the way I feel, too. I do feel that way, but... Dude, in the NFL, you got to try to win now. And if you think you, I mean, literally, you look at the Saints last year, I, I how close that. they were. I, listen, I get that, and I get that Breeze only has so many years left. But also, I loved what you were doing with this young core. 
And that's that's why I'm I don't love this pick. And now Holy. you have another young guy to throw into the mix, and he's but you don't have a young you don't have a young first round pick next year. That's what I'm saying. And if Sean really did love Lamar Jackson like he did, he could have stayed at 27 and got him there. And I know that's hindsight's 2020. You don't know if he's going to be there, but I think everybody's skeptical because he's coming from a, a, a group of five school. He's not from a power five school. Everything. Well, then you hear all the reports. This guy is still so raw. Yes, that's that's why. Like if he's not ready to contribute immediately, like that concerns me a little bit. This is if to do that, you're saying we want to win right now. Okay, well if this guy's raw and can't come in and automatically be that Robin to Cam Jordan's Batman. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what he has to be, right? For you to spend this much money, that's what he has to be. That's why they pay this Jeff Ireland money. the big bucks. Yeah, that's it. Uh, did you see Josh uh, Rose and what he said? I nine mistakes before being picked. <laughs> he better back up that talk. So he goes ninth overall. One of the the few things that Jake Rail uh, nailed on his uh, mock draft: uh, Arizona trading up with the Raiders to get Josh Rosen at number ten. We so, did get that one. Yeah, I know. So then Rosen goes and says, uh, I was pretty pissed. <laughs> His quote, pretty pissed. Yeah. That uh, they made nine mistakes ahead of me, and I will remember it. Yeah. I, listen, that's kind of what we've come to expect from Rosen, right? Uh, some kind of quote like that. And I like it. I like the chip on his shoulder. I do. Um, but I got to tell you, I felt good for Lamar Jackson at the very end of the draft because, man, that was the long wait we were trying to predict. And it it, will, it looked rough sometimes, like just seeing him kind of like laying on the table, looking at his phone. It, it was, it was kind of hard to see. After a while, you're like, all right, get the camera off of him. Jesse says, uh, head scratcher, Shane Seaway's in. If they were to go the way they want to be, it'll be the last pick or close to be. So it's kind of a second-round pick anyway. Reference and that's what Sean Payton game. said. Yeah. Sean Payton said the same thing. So he's hoping that it'll be, you know, Number 32, number 28, whatever. Just the fact that they're hoping they're in contention for a Super Bowl next year. Richie says, it's not like they can't trade back into the first round next year. You do what you have to do now, address next year, next year. See, but that's I, I just think differently. I think ahead. I don't think about, you know, because, and, and Sean Payton made a funny joke about, um, have you seen our, uh, national debt, you know what I mean? Like just talking about how, you know, piling the debt with the with the Saints draft class. I listen. I think we could we could completely sway our opinion if he comes out there and he just blows the roof. Like if he comes out there and he is dominant, opposite of Cam Jordan. Of course, we're all going to look back and go, "Oh, they are smart again. They nailed it once again." Mm -hmm. How could we ever doubt the front office? Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm not sitting here today and just straight up bashing it. That's what Charlie says. If he plays good next year, these same people will be yelling, who that, and acting yeah. like it was a genius move. Yeah. And Russell, of course, says, uh, but Arizona's a pretty nice place to be. I'd rather be there than Cleveland. Good point. That is a good point. I'm concerned about Baker. I like Baker, but and I think he'll be a good player, but him going to Cleveland has me a little worried that he'll, he'll amount to what I think he can be. Uh, Mickey Loomis is a uh, – Relative weighed in, unnamed here, but I know who it is. Says that's with all your experience as a professional GM. Did I not just say <laughs> that? You know, I, that's why I'm reserving full judgment. Uh, they were joking, obviously. Thank you, Mickey. All right, overall observations of the draft. We'll kind of run through the, the picks here, but uh, you were watching ESPN a majority of the night, correct? The whole night, yes. Didn't want to go over to the NFL now. No, hmm. no. You got my boy Herb Street on yeah. there. I'm good. You were not a fan of the open, the Cowboys setting in oh, the scene. It was rough. I liked it. You liked the it. Production the production value of that thing. was oh, over God. the top. The it was narration gross. of it was lame. Mm -hmm. Some of the lines, are you going to be a rookie or the future? Man, get out of here. <laughs> Just give me the draft, dude. Uh, there was this huge buildup. You wrote that? And you were like, are they ever going to get to the draft? And literally – Cleveland had how many months to figure this out? And they've known their decision, literally, they said, for the last six weeks. And they still extended the full time. Was that to build the drama for it or at least to get uh, the guys to make their money's worth and get up there and try to predict what was going to happen? Yeah, I, I don't know. I was sitting there the whole time like, come on, let's just start the draft. Please, get out there, Goodell. Just say they're on the clock. Mm -hmm. 
get out there, get booed, and let's move. Let's move on with our lives, yes. Uh, as it unfolded, of course, you mentioned Herb Street hit it out of the ballpark. I thought he did. Uh, then, of course, ESPN can always lean back on the fact that they've got the most trusted guys in the business with the insight with Mort and, of course, Schefter. Yes, and I got to say, it was hard to watch Mort. Yeah. I love Mort. I actually got to meet him at a Manning Passing Academy years back and got to talk with him, and he was such a cool guy, so down to earth, uh, just was a legit football fan like mm-hmm. he loves football and i always thought he did a great job for years for them of course he still know. does do a great he job. still does do a great job yes but to see him kind of struggle get his words out well he is battling cancer i understand i understand i'm just saying it, it made me sad kind of seeing that mm-hmm. but uh good good to still see him working though and we knew uh jerry jones would uh roll out the red carpet and there'd be plenty of bells and whistles that scene that setting is pretty remarkable yeah, it was, and I I like that the draft has become like a go-to event, like a big must-see event. I love that it's getting bigger and bigger, and uh, I you know I I would love for it to come to New Orleans one day, and if it does, I'm gonna try my best to go to it. Mm. You know, I mean that that that's something that's something I might have to add. I don't know about bucket list, like top twenty bucket yeah. list maybe, but like something that I would like to go to one day. All right, we look at the uh, top ten, and, of course, uh, the Cleveland Browns, some think, is a little bit of a reach. The former walk-on at Texas Tech and then goes to Oklahoma, uh, goes number one, Baker Mayfield. Has Cleveland hit a home run now? Was this a good pick? For I them? love it. I, I think it was the best pick they could have made if they couldn't have traded back. But, you know, getting Baker, you needed a quarterback, first of all. Baker was the best of those available, in my opinion. And y'all know I, I – liked Baker in college I've always talked about how I love the way his, his the pocket presence alone the way he's able to move in the pocket extend place he's always moving his feet and he's got the arm strength he's got the accuracy he's far more accurate than any of the other quarterbacks in this draft so I liked him the best I, I don't care that he's six foot I don't care that he you know people think he's immature or whatnot he's a winner he's a competitor Aside from the arrest stuff. The cop that tackled him, where did he get picked? Aside from the arrest stuff. Was he a fourth rounder? That was a first round tackle. Was a heck of a tackle, yeah. <laughs> Aside from that, I think all the other stuff is just competitive fire. Like, that that's all competitiveness. And people will go back to the Kansas game and where he grabbed his you-know-what, and I'm just like, hmm. okay. Aaron says they could have had Barkley and another top quarterback. Cleveland did what Cleveland did. See, and here's where I disagree. I think they wanted Baker, and they wouldn't have been able to get Saquon and then Baker because Jets, the Jets would have been all over Baker. Yeah. The Jets loved Baker. We knew that going in, and that's actually why in my mock draft I had them trading up with the Giants one spot to get to ensure they get Baker because at that time we didn't know what the Giants were going to do. Mm. But anyway, I think they, they nailed it getting Baker, and then you come back, and I don't think they nailed the number four pick. Denzel Ward – we talked about him yesterday, and uh, he was the number one defensive back. But the fact that most said he would be a, a lock to be in the top ten, but when you compare his numbers after one year starting for Ohio State, they were not comparable or they were slightly below what Marshawn Lattimore had done for Ohio State. Well, that's kind of unfair. I, I don't like when we sit there and compare. Why can't you compare a, a last year's draft pick to this year's? I'm overall? saying cornerback numbers because – if you're good, well, they were saying, you know, just his draft prospects. What do you mean, like his his workout numbers? Yes, overall. Oh well, okay. I thought you meant like statistics no. from from his career at Ohio State. Well, anyway, well, nobody threw to Lattimore's side at Ohio. That's State. what I was about to say. Like that's, I think that's unfair when people bring up uh, statistics with cornerbacks. But anyway, I I, I think he's going to be a good player. Don't get me wrong. I just don't see how you pass up Bradley Chubb there, and then. You come with the next pick with Denver. Denver wanted to trade out, but with Bradley Chubb on the board, they're like, well, heck, we'll just we'll gladly take him. And now you got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on opposite sides mm. of one another. I love that. Mm. And I also love, did you see Von Miller's reaction on Instagram yeah. going crazy? I that, that was, I'm really excited about seeing Mayfield that. goes number one of the Browns at number two. Uh, the Giants decide that, yes, they've got a difference maker in Barkley from Penn, Penn State. So it's all on Eli now as uh, the Giants go with the running back over a quarterback. And then the Jets, of course, getting Sam Darnold as their quarterback at number three. 
a place they didn't think that they would have maybe have an opportunity to get Sam Darnold the quarterback from USC. Mm, yeah, I, yeah, maybe so. Because, but still, you heard more rumblings about Baker going number one, and I actually kind of thought that was a smokescreen to get the Jets to trade with them. For a while, I was thinking that, and then the more you saw it, and then ultimately when Browns it says the pick is in, it's like okay, this has actually happened. Baker's going number one overall. At six, of course, uh, the guard from Notre Dame, Quentin Nelson. We got that one. Uh, yes, we did. And then at number seven, we felt like uh, Buffalo would go after a quarterback, and Josh Allen would be a nice fit from Wyoming. He gets he goes there with a trade from Tampa Bay. At number eight, Roquan Smith is a beast. Yeah, great pick. Uh, he's heading to the Bears at number nine. Uh, the big, real quick. The big offensive tackle from uh, Notre Dame going to San Fran. The Roquan Smith pick is a perfect pick for Chicago, not just because he's the total package, and I think he's going to be have the best career of anyone in this draft, but you think about the history of linebacker with the Chicago Bears. I mean, that is a perfect marriage. Mm. Uh, we'll get to the other uh, news and notes and, of course, the other noteworthy picks in the rest of the draft, including the Cowboys. We thought they'd go after a wide receiver, but the receiver we thought they would pick falls to the Falcons. Yes. That's coming up after the break. Continue to weigh in at 888-993-7762. The morning drive back after this. We've had a lot of great texts this morning. I think this is probably going to go right to the top of the charts, though. Uh, mentioning, of course, Jake and his uh, draft knowledge. Somebody text in, please put your name when you have a great, witty text like this, and especially when you come hard. Is at, this witty, though? At Jake uh, Martin, draft expert for Sports Talk 97.7. The text was, dropping Concordia Parish draft knowledge. How witty is that? It's good. Okay. <laughs> Rosenthal, you know they're good? in Rosenthal in a couple of years, though. <laughs> Dare, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what is good? Russell's text, the policeman that tackled him was a hog. Said best tackle Arkansas had all year. <laughs> I included that the second part. That was oh. Me. Yeah. Well, I, take I, that I added on to Russell's. He, didn't, he, he was just pointing out that the what happened in Arkansas, Fayetteville, and, of course, the huge tackle. Yeah, I thought, but okay. Yeah, well, that takes yeah. away from the text. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, Russell. I give you an assist there. That's all right. Shane says, thought Seattle picking Penny was a huge reach. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a minute. And also, uh, Jesse, a uh, big Falcon fan, talking about uh, Calvin Ridley makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's such a good fit. Um, and John says, ULM football signing Josh Newton ran a 10.6 meter to play second. The Washita track team won its first ever regional championship yesterday. Awesome. Good stuff. Hmm. All right, uh, let's go through. We went through the top ten of the draft, and uh, let's talk about the big things that stood out in the back half of the draft. Yes. Um, so what do we leave off with? Hey, I want to mention this before we get into some more picks. What did you think of the hats? The hats that they were wearing? They were all right. Dude, Rosen's hat, did you see it? That's probably when my computer was buffering. I missed it. Rise up, Red Sea. Like, it's just too many. It's too much. You know, I did see cause his interview, and, of course, it is the big talking point now where he's talking about how pissed off he was <laughs> and that they made nine mistakes ahead of him. And I, I did get... I was looking at the hat. I said, man, I, there's too much. Way too much. Too much going on. Yeah. They had a lot of stuff like that. The the Believe uh, hat for the Bills was, was kind of sweet. So besides breaking down the draft with our knowledge, we're also now fashion, fashion, that's fashion right. police. Got to, man. Yeah. Got to. So uh, we've talked a lot about the Saints, so we can keep going down. I thought it was crazy that Derwin James fell to 17. I couldn't believe it. The Chargers were sitting there like, oh, is it Christmas? Yeah, we'll take Derwood James at number 17. Thank you very much. So that, that was a huge pick for number 17. Um, and, you know, DJ Moore going at number 24, that was crazy. That was the first receiver. I, listen, I get that this receiving class was pretty weak. I still didn't see the first guy coming off the board at number 24, though. Mm. I, I was still surprised by that, especially with, you know, a lot of people talking about the Cowboys needing someone. But, uh, yeah, DJ Moore going at, at 24, that was the first receiver off the board. That stuck out to me. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the Calvin really going to Atlanta. I like that fit a lot, but as a Saints fan, it just got me kind of shaking my head. Like, mm-hmm. how many weapons do they have? Mm. I mean, they have so many weapons. It's, it's getting ridiculous. Uh, things that certainly stood out in the back half of the draft, and uh, I think you bury the lead with, of course, uh, the Cowboys. And everybody was thinking, well – 
you know, they're going to have to find somebody to replace Des Bryant. And then they picked the kid from Boise. Just an incredible uh, story with him coming from Riggins, Idaho. They pointed out that's a population of 419. The fact that he played eight-man football in high school and then was a walk-on at Boise. Mm -hmm. But just freakish numbers, once again, for him. Talk about the fact that he's six foot four, two 256 pounds, has a 40-inch vertical jump. And, of course, the Cowboys need as much help as they possibly can get a defense and in the linebacker. You team. see the highlight of him playing basketball? I think it was the high school basketball championships. He stole the ball and just dunked it with ease. I mean, he made it look so easy. Yeah, that was a freak athlete. I really didn't even think that much of that highlight. I was expecting more with a 40-inch vertical. I thought it was easy. No, like he effortlessly. And now we're breaking down how a kid dunks the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, it shows you how, how much of a freak he was yeah. athletically. Uh, that was the 19th overall pick for the Dallas Cowboys, and he was jacked up. Leighton Vander Esch. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, Rashad Penny. Let's talk about this uh, again. Why? Why take him at, at what was it? Was it 27? 27, yeah. Why take him there? You know, you probably could have got him in the second round. And the, the Seahawks, you know, they made their living in the draft early on. You know, you think about early on in uh, Pete Carroll's, mm-hmm. you know, tenure there. But as of late, they've had a lot of misses. I'm talking about a lot of misses. And this looks to be another huge whiff. Well, you understand why they're trying to pick a running back. I mean, they, yeah. they were horrible last year when Russell Wilson leads the team in rushing. And he had uh, one more rushing touchdown than all the different running backs that they used. They had a major need at that position. This reminds me... And if it is like this, then Seahawks fans should be relieved. But this reminds me of the Bruce Irvin pick they had a couple years ago when everybody was like, what? Why? He wasn't projected there. How do you, Why are you getting him? It was like 14. And then he, he ends up being a really great player for them. So it's not the fact that they went for running back. I think of the depth chart, you looked at uh, Chris Carson and, and Mike Davis, two guys that rushed for under 250 yards last mm-hmm. year. But why did they take Penny over the likes of uh, guys – Michelle. Or Michelle. Yeah, exactly. That's the question. Uh, let's go to the uh, Stuart Shelby hotline. Computer just froze on me. Who do we have? Yeah, Jesse. Jesse, what's up, bud? Hey, how you doing? Good. What's up, I'm just about? wondering uh, how Darius Geis did not get drafted uh, ahead of those two receivers. Does he have some off-the-field issues that we don't know about, maybe? Well, that's the big talking point going into this thing, and you get the likes of uh, Mike Mayock throwing out stuff about off-the-field issues. Then, of course, everybody at LSU and other writers down there, media members, come to his defense and says, well, if that's the case, why have we not heard about him in the past? You Google his name, you don't see assault cases, you don't see a drug suspension, uh, you hear plenty about his work ethic. Of course, you hear the backstories about how he was brought up and, of course, the difficulties and the adversities that he went through. But the fact that he fought through those things and made himself what he is today, you would think would be a positive, certainly not a negative. Oh, you wouldn't think so, but the Patriots to take Sony Michel and then Seattle to take Rashad Penny, which they will be good. But I think Darius Geis, uh, hey, he's a top top 15 talent. I don't I get don't... that. But, uh, I agree, Jesse. Yeah, there's got to be something. He he probably in, interviewed bad or something we don't know about. That's all I can think of. But appreciate the call. Yeah, appreciate you. He, he's got a loud personality. And I, I've i never looked at that as a negative thing. And, I, and I've seen stories about him, people saying that he's a diva and whatnot. But he's always had this loud, like he's been a huge personality. Almost, I don't want to call him a class clown, but like just always having fun and just, you know, he's there and he's always goofing off and, 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 and playing around. Not when he's on the field, though. Not, Not when, when he's, he's between on, the no, lines. No, no, But I'm just saying, like, if you see him in interviews and you see him just outside of football, that's him. He likes to have a good time. He's loud. And I don't know how that translates to off field issues. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know where this came from. And Jesse just said it. He might have just done really poorly in interviews, which yeah. surprises me. That surprises me, but you know when you have this media storm, where it's like, you know, he, he has these off-field issues and he's never I, been arrested 
he hadn't had drug issues, like mm-hmm. you name it, and and you know he hasn't done it. I just don't understand. What It'll be a bigger storyline if his name continues to slide tonight. There's no way. Yeah, if he doesn't, if he's not one of the top five, eight picks starting tonight's draft, then perhaps start Cleveland. Yeah, grab him. Yeah. <laughs> you won't be safe. All right, let me ask him. you this question, Jake. And obviously, we know how well Leonard Fournette did in his rookie year. If you're making the draft and you get to choose between Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis, ten times. How many times out of ten do you pick Leonard Fournette for the uh, their future in the NFL? Ooh, that's yeah. a really good question. I need to think on this. You know, it's silly. Um, you know Leonard Fournette's issue with uh, his ankles. Right. But Geis has had some injuries, yeah. too. Um, Geis led the SEC in rushing uh, two years ago when, of course, Fournette went down. What's 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 interesting about both of them is they do share a similar style. Like they're both violent runners, and Fournette is built to handle that better. So that goes to Fournette. But I I think Geis is better. You know, catching the pa- catching passes out of the backfield. I think that Geis. There were moments last year, and you you never want to be a prisoner of the moment, and you remember how good Fournette was. But there were moments when, not last year, two years ago, when Fournette was hurt, and Geis was reeling off some of these runs like he did against Texas A&M. And I know that's not a good defense, but still, you see some of these runs, and you're just like, he might be better. Mm. You know, and you whisper that to yourself. You don't want to say that out loud because it sounds ridiculous. But you're like, man, you know what? He, He could be better than Fournette. And so I just think they're two of the best uh, running backs that LSU's ever had. And if you look at this draft pool, if you look at a guy like Geis, and if you you got to have the right offense for him. You can't – maybe he wasn't a great fit for, um, for Seattle because they want to get back to that physical running attack. And I know Geis is very violent, but how many years can he withstand that with the, with the frame that he has, with the body that he has? But look, I mean, look at Marshawn Lynch and what he's been able to do over the years. I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of it. Well, you talk about Penny, but then the Patriots decide to go with Michelle. And, you know, we Copy know Bel- Belichick, how much he hates people that fumble the ball. And that's one of the biggest knocks yeah. against the former Georgia running back. Yes. and But listen, it's a copycat league, man. They're seeing what the Saints are doing with Kamara, and they're going, Michelle can do that. Yeah. We think Michelle can do that if he can we can get enough years out of him and if he can take better care of the football. Sam says, I also try not to be a prisoner of the moment uh, with the internet and the ability to rush out a headline or the most critical post someone can make this has caused this. Uh, literally, I can't read. Finish this up, Jake. I told you my glasses aren't working today. Wait, what? Uh, Sam's text here. He says, I'll, oh, this is about uh, the LSU uh, baseball. He says, I... Because I said I quoted what Scott said on Danny Don saying that this was the worst inning of LSU baseball. They gave up seen. eleven runs in the sixth inning last night to Ole Miss. And Sam so saying I try not to be a prisoner of the moment. The internet and the ability to rush out a headline or the most critical post someone can make has caused people to increasingly become a prisoner of the moment. It's the absolute best ever or worst ever is said more and more these days. That's right. That's true, but Scott doesn't do that, mm. and that's why I wanted to bring that up. Mm. I guess I did a bad job of explaining, Scott knows his base thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with dietrich and white to listen live every day tune in at espn977.com or subscribe in itunes stitcher or wherever you find podcasts